Welcome to Kashris on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashris Magazine. And tonight's show should prove to be something interesting for everybody. I, I suggest that you get a pen or pencil and a piece of paper and uh, keep it near you because the things you might want to write down, I'm going to be giving out some information that would be helpful to everybody listening. There's so much material because we weren't here last week that it's going to be a, a stickle uh, challenge to cover it all in, in, in one setting, but that's uh, one sitting. But we're going to do our very, very best. Let me, let me start by telling you uh, what last week we had wanted to be on the show, and unfortunately what happened is a, some kind of a mix-up, and um, therefore you heard last week again Mrs. Creel's interview. This, there are some amazing things happening, and a lot of halachos and, 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 and inyanim, Hanukkah, things, lists, a lot of material to get out to you today. Let's start with some things that I came across and I, ha- I have to share it with you, and they tie in different ways. There's an article. Uh, you, you, you've heard about this uh, movement called Thank You Hashem. Maybe you understand a little bit, maybe you don't. But this article that's printed in Indian Magazine, December 2nd, 2020, on page 16, called The Art of Appreciation, an interview with Harav Yitzchak Dweck, is something everybody should read. Whether you go with the idea, you don't go with the idea, it's amazing. His basic theory, the basic theory is that Everything that happens, even the bad things, you say, thank you, Hashem. You say, thank you. And you know why? Because the bad things we call bad are really good for us, and there's, there's reasons why Hashem felt that we had to have them. And that's why they came. Anyway, I'm not, gonna st- I'm not going to ruin this unbelievable article about this unbelievable gentleman, and, uh, but I want to share one line and I think that sums it all up. And if it touches you at all, so get the article. Beg, Borrow, or Steal, Indian Magazine, from Amodia, December 2nd, page 16 to 18. This gentleman was visiting with the Rav, and he said, it's time to get up. He says, remember, Rabbi Dweck says, it's not the happy who are thankful it's the thankful who are happy. If you get it, get the article. <laughs> he uh, he uh, talks a little bit about Hanukkah too, so I'll say one thing here. He says that Hanukkah, we say Halil, we say Gansa Halil. Person. Uh, Somebody adopts a yasom or somebody there's no 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 father no mother. He picks him off the street. He adopts him. He gives him clothes. He educates him. He marries him off. He buys him a house. The boy wants to know, how can I repay you? The answer is kois yeshuos eso. I did all this to make you happy. I want to see you happy. 
So that's what Hashem wants. Hashem wants us to be happy. That's Hanukkah. Lahoidos, lahaleel, to stand in front of the neighbors for half an hour and count your blessings. We have eight days full of haleel. That's it. That's simple. But how do we get to the, how do we get that to Hanukkah? What happened? Well, the misyavnim and the yav and the avonim, and there were the battles. So, does Hashem love you? Does he? Maybe maybe he doesn't. Uh, how, how do we know that? How do you know that Hashem loves you? He, he gave us. He gave us the challenge. You know, it, it looks maybe. Uh, you know, maybe uh, we, we uh, maybe we're, we're not we're not deserving. Um, so how come we're, we're happy at, at the, the the final event? We got to go through so much suffering. What about all the wars? What all the losses, life, etc. But when you get there and you see that Hashem had the plan, then you understand that it had to be that way. You think about, for example, uh, Purim. The Jews accepted the Torah again. The Jews accepted at the time of Purim in a stronger way they accepted the Torah than even at Harsinai. Because they, uh, Harsinai, they were afraid. And here they were happy. So, but, but what made them happy? It was the fact that Hashem... Was 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 it made it look like Haman was going to kill them? So that's why they were happy when they were got away from it. So the, the when we get through the situation, we realize the difficulty was a blessing. So even before you get through with the difficulty, accept. Thank you, Hashem. The difficulty is also a bracha from Hashem. It's the way to get where you're going. Very interesting material. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm still getting over a cold. Okay, I want to share with you one more little article. This is something from uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Tendler, Rabbi Shmuel Tendler from the uh, Congregation Sons of Israel in Lakewood. He put this down, which is something he must have found somewhere, or maybe he just knew about it. Not long ago, there was a, sh- a Shabbaton by Camp Simcha. That's High Lifeline's camp. And uh, it was campers and their, their friends and their families. And there were sessions with rabbis and psychologists. And uh, the counselor found himself sitting with a man who had a daughter with cancer. She was undergoing chemotherapy and lost all her hair. The counselor mentioned that he was looking for a position in Jewish education. And the father of this girl tried to convince him to move to his community. The people are friendly, and the rents are reasonable, and finally said, there's only one problem with the community. It's one shul town, and people tend to talk during davening. The council told him, well, that's the way it is in some places. In that sense, your community is not unique. The father looked down at his daughter and then he sighed. I guess some people have nothing to daven for. That's why they can talk during davening. 
So that, that, that story said to me, I got to share this with you. It takes a minute. There's three organizations. I'm going to give you telephone numbers. If you're interested at all, jot them down. We got to care for other people. We got into this, the problem with the Misyavnim. They were part of us and turned against us. We have fights in our Jewish community today that are hair-raising. We have groups that are literally trying to destroy Judaism from within. It's a, it's a very challenging time. Uh, maybe there always was challenge, but it's, it seems to be strong now. And uh, maybe it's time that we start to help each other. So I'm going to give you, if you, ha- if you have the time, uh, we're talking about half an hour a week, um, 20 minutes a half an hour in, uh, in a month. It's uh, not much time. Here are three wonderful numbers if you're interested. Partners in Torah, men or women, they have prog- you, you learn with somebody, you give over to somebody, or if you want somebody as a partner to learn with, you can learn whatever you want. It can be as this safer, that safer. It can probably just be tefillah if you want. It could be anything. And it's, a, it's free. It's a wonderful program, wonderful people. I'm working with it for 20 years as a volunteer. Here's the telephone number, 800-867-2412. Again, 800-867-2412. If you want it the easy way, it's 1-800-STUDY-4, number 4-2. 1-800-STUDY-42. The other organization, similar, URA has a program called Torah Mates. A lot of little differences. There's a little more in the Kirov area there. Uh, more, more likely to be learning with something a little more raw. You, you could have a choice, but um, you could get somebody who was you know, pretty far field, it's up to you, and uh, it's also a wonderful program. Oh, I, I mixed it up. I gave you the wrong numbers. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> the 800-867-2412 is for Torah mates, and this, the 1-800-STUDY-42 is for Cardinals and Torah. You call the wrong organization, so you're doing a good job anyway, don't worry. The last one I want to give you is sister to sister. This is, we shouldn't know from it, for the women who were divorced. There's a Chizuk organization. It's a beautiful organization. And uh, maybe it's a Segula that you would never have to use. No one in your family should ever have to use it. But it's a wonderful thing. The volunteers uh, only have to make a call every uh, month, every couple of months, I think. 718-338-2943. 718-338-2943. Sorry that I made the mistake in the numbers there, but I said if you call the wrong one, you're in good shape anyway. There is a fish list that came out. It's the same fish list as always, but it's a little bit, um, it's, a li- it's a change, I'm sure, a little bit. I'm going to give you a telephone number if you're interested. This is uh, the fish list of those fish that have anisakis and those fish that don't have anisakis. In the past, I've read it to you. It's very boring to read it because you get confused in your head and it, it, you're never going to remember it. All you got to do is call the number and they'll send you a copy. 
And now I'm going to tell you a sneak, a secret little piece here, which I think is going to be helpful to you. These organizations were consulted in preparing this. Now, this organization that set it up is in Israel, I, I believe. If not, maybe it's here. But the, uh, they, these are the organizations that were consulted. So that doesn't mean that they know everything, but it does certainly, definitely means that they're interested in the area. And if you have further questions, these may be good organizations to speak to about the insect infestation in fish. The Vat HaKashras of the Eid HaKaredis in Eretz Israel, in Yushalayim. Chevra Mavakshe HaKashras in Muncie. New Square Kashras Council in Muncie. Kashras Council of Lakewood, the KCL. The Vat HaKashras of the five towns. Say hello to Rabbi Eisen for me. Star K, Rabbinical Council of California, say hello, say hello to Rabbi Davidi for me, and, Rab, and the Vad Akashras of Flatbush, uh, which is uh, uh, right, right here locally. Okay. Now, that's the fish list. We'll go on to some of our program. This is what I'm going to read now is a, a, a letter that I got from a woman who uh, expressed an opinion. In fact, I'm not going to, I don't think I'll give you the whole letter. I think I'll just tell you the issue, because there's not so much time for tonight. We're printing the letter. She talks about an important thing. It's cautious-related indirectly, and, and then yet very directly, and very, very important for everybody. It seems, <coughs> excuse me, it seems that right before Pesach, she was looking for a Pesach digger soap for uh, washing things. And um, she couldn't find anything in her area other than one Hamish product, one Hamish company. And uh, she bought it. And she, you know, and she notices that uh, that a lot of the the things that we're using today are processed foods, very processed. A lot of additional things, additives, dyes, chemicals are in there. But she didn't think any of it, anything about it. And uh, after Pesach, she didn't have any uh, hand cream because of the because of the the uh, COVID. It was hard to buy hand the soap. Hand soap. So, so she was using this stuff left over from Pesach, which was the Hamisha company. I'm leaving the name out. <laughs> I don't want to kill anybody's business. So she's using this, this stuff, and it's a red color, by the way, and her hands start to turn red. And they get rough, and this. And she couldn't, but she went to a doctor. Her husband is a doctor, but she went to a doctor anyway, and wondering what's going on. And they told her, if she figured out somewhere, she figured it out that the, this is in the in the come the soap. So she discontinued it, and everything was fine. But it, but had her hands not had gotten red, 
And her eyes became red because she kept touching her eyes because her hands, this hurt and the eye hurt and the, you know, a little bit. Of, it was really, it was, she was a mess. And um, she, she, she uh, the, uh, actually the dermatologist was the one who figured it out. I see the open the letter. The dermatologist figured it out that it's, it's, she said, the dermatologist asked, what are you washing your hands with? And that's when she realized she was using this red, this, this thing with red dye in it. So, her point is that we should be making as a community some kind of effort asking our uh, kosher companies, because it's not the rabbi who gives hashkocha, it's the kosher company the, who's buying from somebody in China or whatever, and uh, they're using, they're trying to get save money, and you know, fine. But that's what's causing the fact that there are so many processed foods, heavily processed today. And if you really want to be shocked, start reading a little bit on the packaging of the foods that you're getting and see how much they're growing in terms of numbers of ingredients and the, and the different other aspects that are, that are mentioned there and see how often the name China comes up, you know, where, you know, where this whole thing emanated from, our, our corona friend. So it really... Uh, we, as a society, a kosher society, should be thinking for our children, for the next generation, this hyperactivity, people are getting sick, um, they, we're not, maybe they're not going to live as long. I mean, we should be interested in this thing about additives, chemicals, dyes in our food, <coughs> in, in all of the things that we come in contact with. It's our responsibility. That's what her article is about. And it just leads me to say the same thing about the foods in general. You know, why is it that we, as a, as a society, are eating the worst foods? And, you know, Baal Tshuva has a problem being from. Uh, the problem isn't eating, separating milkers and flesheks. The problem is eating chalmers. You know, eating uh, some of our fattening, uh, unhealthy foods. Um, so, so, so really, our uh, our work would be uh, well directed if we sort of addressed the, the foods that are coming in through the pipeline, which we can control to a certain extent. There's a book out now; it just came out. I got it. I got it yesterday. It came out, it came yesterday, and. Uh, it's it's about the uh, rebellion that the women staged in 1902 about the high price of kosher meat, which was really a ripoff from the producers and distributors, which were goyim, and uh, you know it was it was they were they were they were the government went after them. It was a whole long thing that took years and years and years. And uh, but this, these riots that they rebel, rebellion that they had uh, was uh, amazing. It happened in 1902, shortly before Rabbi uh, Yosef passed away. Rabbi Joseph passed away, Yaakov Yosef. But the uh, it, it was it was something that women had started, and grassroots, literally grassroots. And this uh, this whole book, which is written by a historian, very interesting. Uh, on some level, it's not, it's not, it's not express our, 
necessarily our opinion on 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 on, on, on things, but um, he has nice pieces on uh, about Rakhav Yosef. But the point of the of my bringing it up is, we as a society must be more proactive. It's not enough to just go to the store and buy. You know, people are getting upset about this China thing, but nobody's doing anything. I haven't seen one group, one grassroots come up, say, you know, kosher, not from China, or anything. You know, I haven't seen anybody put anything together and try to drag us in. I'll be one of the first to sign. I don't sign a lot of things, but I'll be the, one of the first to sign if you have something which is going to be directed to get the, uh, the, uh, the companies, the Jewish companies, the Amish companies, to buy healthier foods and products. It's something that uh, we need a little bit of uh, grassroots work. I, I'm going to share with you now something that I got from the Badats. It was a very nice little piece, very small really, but very, very nice. It, it's about meat. And they have, uh, I, don't know, I think they have 10 things, but I'm only going to mention a few of them. Number one, you might see a frozen chicken that's missing a limb. I don't know if you'll find it in America. This, you know, remember this is about dots and Eretz Israel, and a, and a lot of this definitely, you know, is, is more possible in Israel. I don't know how, it's, how everything is exactly possible here, but it it does give you a lot of education. If you see a frozen chicken that's missing a limb, now I think it could happen, but I don't think it will because when they sell you a whole chicken, it's a, it's a whole chicken, I suppose. And uh, when they sell you uh, parts, they're smart enough to put in all the parts, even if it's not connected. Or if they say bottoms, it's all bottoms. I mean, you're not going to find something else. But technically, if you would find a frozen chicken missing a limb, let's say a wing, so what would you say? You might say, ay, ay, ay. But uh, that's not what you should say. That's what the, the Badat's answers. Sometimes they take off the wing because uh, before the Malicha, because they found small, it's they, they, they bloodshot. Bloodshot is something, it's hard for me to do it on the, on the radio here. To, to explain to you about bloodshot, but bloodshot is just like you, th- you think with your eyes, bloodshot. You see little dots there. <coughs> In the meat, you could find little dots. We call that bloodshot. Uh, little, little pieces of look, looks like clumped up blood inside, which it is. It means that it coagulated. It didn't, go, it didn't get uh, easily flushed out in the, uh, in the malicha process. So it's hard to get it out because it's solidified. It wasn't uh, liquid inside because the blood can be drawn out. The liquid can be drawn out by, by, the, by the salt, but it can't be drawn out if it's clumps. Too much of this bloodshot, you can't use the meat at all. But in a chicken or something like that, and you found something on the wing, so they would clip off the wing, and then they would put the thing through the salting. So that's why you might find sometimes are this or that missing? That's what they talk about. And the bloodshot is a very important issue, but we're not trained. Uh, we have to believe that uh, all the people who are processing your meat, even though 
Today, many of the people who are processing the meat don't know much about it, but in the, in, it's all being done in the, in the, in the Schlacht house, but still in all, it goes through a lot of hands, and you have to assume that it was being done properly. If you have a piece of meat that to you looks bloodshot, show it to your rabbi. And if he doesn't know, I know ask him where to find out. If not, there are some wonderful pieces you could find. There's this book called Chulin Illuminated, which has pictures in there. The Star K has pictures. Uh, you can you can get stuff today on not 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 going to cost you anything, and you'll be able to compare to those pictures and see if you think you have bloodshot meat. If you do, you just have to cut off that part. Now let's say you have a plastic uh, around, around uh, a chicken, and inside you see this red colored liquid red colored liquid well isn't that blood so the answer is no that's not blood that's the juice that came out of the chicken then when it was when after it had been salted juice can come out that would be called the tzir it could come out for 12 or 20 for 12 to 24 hours it could ooze out. So what you're seeing in there, don't, even though it looks red to you and everything, don't, don't, it's not blood. It wasn't sitting in blood. If you have a liver and, you, and, 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 and it's in a package and there's a bloody-looking thing down the bottom, yeah, well, that liver is, is filled with blood. No one took the blood out. So that's a different problem. If you see it soaking in blood, then you, then you can't eat that liver. But, the, uh, but we're talking about a piece of chicken that's uh, been salted already, you don't have to worry about any blood. Now the broken bones, that we probably discussed before, but I've mentioned a word or two here about broken bones. Sometimes you're going to find uh, something that's broken. So the, is, it a, is it a Shiloh? The answer that everybody's been used saying is that uh, when they're, they're processing this, they're processing them in a very rough way. I've seen personally that they throw the chicken in, in, uh, against the wall. And, and not every time. This is one place I saw it. Other places I didn't see that. I saw them putting it into a basket. But, but, I, but I saw in one place where he took it. The, the, maybe this is the, the, the character who was doing handling it. But he'd throw it against the wall and the chicken would land on the table. This was easier than trying to put it on the table. He just threw it against the wall and it would fell on the table. And so now if somebody's doing that and you're asking me about broken bones, you're lucky that any of them are intact. So, you know, it is, you have to realize that is the uh, situation going on. Now, there's an interesting thing here from, from the Badats where it says like this. This is only, uh, this is a Badat situation, but it's beautiful. He says, when you don't find the hologram or you don't find a plumber saying badats, what, what's the status? So the answer, loy lishtamesh boy, don't use it. Go complain to the vadashrita over there and that that's going on and case a number, etc., etc. You can't have 
anything that's, 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 that's claims to be the Haredes, and he doesn't have a plumber or the hologram. Now, he has a long piece about um, buying the meat that's been repackaged. I, I can't I, I can't take a position on it. It's it's a, it's a, it's a you know repackaging is like this. Every store that we go to today makes does repackaging. Unfortunately, it's a fact. Whether it's candies or nuts or meat, chicken, they're taking it out of big things and putting them into small things. They save a lot of money by doing that by hand. Because if they buy it ready-made in the portion size from the company, he's gonna, they charge them so much more. So it pays for them to have a couple of non-Jews working away all day in their facility, stuffing things in, covering it over, this and that, etc. So you always have the best that you have in that store. And if you have a from owner, from store, and, he, and you think his, statin, his standards are high enough and you think he's taking in uh, only good quality things, and especially if you don't care which one he uses, so then you're fine. If you don't use this every shrita and you don't use every this and you don't use every that, and he has some things that you would use and something you wouldn't use, so now how do you know what it says on the packaging from the store is really what you were looking for. You only know if there is a mashkiach on the repackaging. Now the mashkiach might not stand there constantly. He may be doing other things in the store. But if it's his job to make sure that it's done properly, and he's a responsible mashkiach, of which Baruch Hashem there are many, so then... You could assume that it's being done properly under the, hand, the hands of a mashkiach. Sometimes there is the, the, the repackaging in a store is something that's an independent hashkocha took over. And they said, we're responsible for this store, for the meat, for the repackaging, for this, for that. We're, we have responsibility. So their mashkiach has to do the work. And you have to believe that he does it. And as I said, many of the mashkiachim in the stores today, in the, in the supermarkets, a very, very high caliber. So that gives you a little bit of uh, an idea. The OU put out a list of Pas Yisrael products. I don't have time to go through it, but it's in the, um, the recent uh, Dafa Kashras. Let me see if I can get the number. If I found the number, I don't have the number of it here. But uh, but you will find a recent Tafakashris, a list of all their past Israel products. Probably is a few months ago, but so I'm sorry I don't have the exact one. But if you need, you can contact the OU. The man to contact, Rabbi Elef, like a thousand Elef E E L E F F. Okay. Now I don't think I mentioned this one to you before. If I did, you'll be Michael me. This is an, a letter that I received from a dear gentleman, and I, my answer to him 
And since it's so interesting and his style is so interesting, I'm going to read it to you. He's talking about a problem that affects us all. Now this gentleman is Hasidish, but very sophisticated. So he's not... Uh, he knows what he's talking about. And you'll, you'll appreciate how he says everything. But I can't say it the way he does because he's very interesting. Okay, I'll leave his name out just simply because I didn't ask him permission. One often encounters bottles of schnapps at a kiddush or at a yurtzeit table, which raises cautious concerns for conscientious guests. Some wise shul management have an official policy mandating an on-bottle. On-bottle means they have to have something on the bottle that says it's kosher. Original heksher for anything put down in public view. Bishar Bas Rabin. Okay. Uh, so you understand what's going on. So he, he, he says we, we, we end up, uh, some shuls uh, want you to have a hashkocha on all the liquor that's put out. Now, you know and I know that it, the, especially in the Hasidic world, but I would say everywhere, People hate that. People want to have what we know is kosher from the grapevine. That somehow we heard from Ishmi Piish way back from this one to that one, and, and I saw it at so and so's table, and that's considered to be that Mesoira is Kaddish Kedashim. And if the bottle costs a lot of money, and if they say that they saw it at such and such a person's table, it's it, it, the kiddush is all different already. Different kiddush. I don't. I'm not one of these men, by the way. I, I don't drink anything, so you know you, you can't oppress me. But the but the uh, but the people who do, they really enjoy it. I'm telling you, they really enjoy it. I see them I sit right next to them, right across from them. The old days before COVID, and uh, it, 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 amazing how how much it means to them that little schnapps. I had to make a, uh, I, I had to, for your site, I had to put something out, and uh, it, it was a, a tent, a tent minion, he, because during, during COVID, so it was uh, davening a tent minion, and uh, you, 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 uh, I put out some kids, something to eat, and, and, a, and a bottle of schnapps. What did they do? <laughs> they took my bottle of schnapps, shoved it to the side, and brought out some bottle that they all love. And that's what they were having. It, it, it's, it's just the way people are. And I, don't, I didn't look to see if it was I don't care. That's, not, that's their decision. Fine. But anyway, my friend over here says some have an official rule that you have to have an on bottle. Yet, sadly... I have personally witnessed cases where such policies are more honored in the breach than in the observance. In other words, you don't always see people doing it. Some places have a Wild West atmosphere when it comes to cautious integrity of whiskeys. Willfully, or from ignorance, turning a blind eye to real problems of finishing in cherry casks or the use of questionable flavorings because these two things can make the liquor trafe. You know, liquor is, these, these, most of these liquors are nothing, right? You know, just uh, 
the thing you just to take uh, the grain and you process it and nothing to do. And uh, but but they add but they do finishing it in a cherry casks. The, the cask that was used to a wooden cask that was used to have sherry wine in it, and this gives it an additional flavor. So we hold that this is not acceptable today. And uh, sometimes they leave over a little bit of sherry, sherry in there too, by the way. Um, or, or the questionable flavorings. Flavorings are sometimes added to the, uh, to the to liquors today. It, it isn't like the old days. There's not so much pure liquor. It's much, much more because people love flavors and they love something new. And that's what it is. Do you remember, remember Coca-Cola? And there's no Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola now is only one of Coke's uh, line. And they got a million things that they're making. So that, that's the way it is today, and, and, and a lot of these people will move on to something with a little flavor. So this is what my friend is talking about. The casual consumer may opt to rely on one or more various leniencies that have been advanced in this area, many, to be sure, promulgated by postgim of very great stature. Yet other drinkers adopt a more stringent stance, insisting on clear assurance that the drink in front of them is, uh, is 100% okay. Naki mikol chashash, to which a formal heksher attests. So in other words, there are good reasons why somebody want a formal heksher. And so some people have a shul management where they want on bottle hashkochem. Then there's the issue of the lists. These are the listings of alcoholic beverages, the scotch, the bourbon, the vodka, etc., which are prepared by mainstream kosher certification agencies in the USA, the big five, and in Europe and in Eretz Israel. The products contained in these lists are quite numerous and considerably broaden the range of choices available for drinking without qualms, or shall we say, lesser qualms, since each agency, according to its standards and research methods, has determined that the items are fit for consumption. In other words, there's no ashkacha, and we may never have been there, but still we have enough information to make a decision that you could use it if they were put on a list. Now back to our Yortzeit Tikkun table. Absent a printed on-bottle heksher, one sometimes sees patrons taking a bottle, scrutinizing it by turning it hither and yon, searching for any evidence of acceptability, while muttering about the product soda vodka. For, for my mother's yardside tomorrow, I came up with a new approach. The Star K lists the facing whiskey as being approved. No ashkocha, but researched to be kosher. For the vast majority of Hamish consumers, that's something upon which one can hang his hat. One prominent Rav Machsher of a wedding hall states on his on-table Hersha cards that the drinks served at this affair are not covered by my supervision, but they're all on the approved list of the uh, Star K, or other words to that effect. So bottom line, the whiskey that I am providing is on the Star K list, and I have therefore affixed a sticker with big black letters informing one and all of that status, as you see in the picture.
So, uh, my good friend David Pinchas Rose, <coughs> Brooklyn, he put his own hechsher on. What does it say? Star K approved. So, he, he, he beat the odds. He, he gave them something that is approved. Something that's, uh, uh, you know, didn't, didn't have a hashkocha, but it was researched. And uh, it's on the bottle. And so uh, for, for most of the people in the world, that's going to be good enough. It's a great picture. So I wrote a little thing afterwards. I think he, I think he even asked me to, but it is, I wrote a little thing afterwards. Mr. Rose's entertaining suggestion triggers an interesting question of which I have special knowledge. While I totally am in agreement with him that this plan will work and is a step up, unfortunately, he has set himself up as the actual certifier of his whiskey. True, as of uh, uh, whenever he checked the Star K listing, and one would hope that that was so shortly before he served the bottle, that this whiskey was still listed. However, he and those who join him at the table need to be cognizant of the following. The lists, that of the Star K, as well as those of the others, is updated every few months, adding on more recommended beverages and removing some from the recommended list. If this bottle had a long shelf life in his home before he checked online, then the status of it may have changed over time. His bottle may have been from, from before the approval. So in other words, it may not even be covered by the approval. Number two, practitioners of this new Yortzeit certification, that's what I called it, the Yortzeit certification, should take care to use only handwritten stickers. Anything printed, even on an inkjet printer, may confuse people into thinking that the bottle really is kosher certified, which it is not. Approved, maybe, but not certified. But it's a great idea. That's what I, that was my answer to him. And we're printing that. Even Sashem, maybe any changes, but that's it. So you get an idea of, I think, a new approach to the whole thing of uh, how we get involved. We were talking before about getting involved in, in the choice of the products that are brought to us from the producers. Now we're talking about how we ourselves can so-called self-certify some of the products that uh, were recommended on recommended lists. I, I suppose it's done in Europe this way because uh, they live very much from lists. In America, basically people don't do it too much, except for the, the beverages. It seems to be a very big deal. Beverage lists, whether it's the sodas or it's the uh, alcoholic beverages. There are other lists too, but that, those are the most popular. To come on to another couple of um, interesting topics, we just started that, uh, to say the same Talu Matar Levrocha, and uh, many people are not familiar with those halachos. I'm not going to go through them all. I just want to tell you one or two of them to make it a little bit easier. The person is supposed to say the same Talu Matar Levrocha, Al Peneha Adama. All those words are necessary. So if you forgot to say in the beginning of the bracha, you could insert it at the end of the bracha too. But you have to say the whole thing. If you don't say 
it, it probably doesn't work. So you have to say all those words. V'sein tal umatar levrocha al p'nei adama. We ask Hashem to make it rain for good, for, for brachot for the Klai Yisrael on the ground. Not just the ground. It's the ground we're basically we're davening mostly for Eretz Yisrael. But uh, for, for the whole world needs it. The whole world needs rain. And we're davening for us too. So that can be inserted later in the bracha. If you miss it, and you, you go, you're going further, and you, you, miss, you didn't say the same Talmud there, so the best thing to do is, there may be something to do right after the, there may be something to do right after the bracha itself, but I'm, I'm skipping that for, for certain reasons. The best thing to do is to wait until you get to Shema Kolenu. In Shema Kolenu, in that, in that bracha, Shema Kolenu, um, we, you can insert for saying Talamata. But this is where many people make a mistake. It, right before the words, Ki Shomeya, at the end of the bracha, insert these words, the same Tal Umata Livracha. Al Pinei Hadama. Those last three words must be there. Al Pinei Hadama. And then you finish the bracha. If you went past there, and you didn't finish the Shemona Esrei, then go back to Barich Aleinu. And start the whole bar, the bracha baruch again. It goes straight through the whole davening again. You don't go back to begin the shmonesrei. You just go back. And you finish shmonesrei, and you didn't say it, then you have to go back to the beginning of shmonesrei. If you remember later on during the day, or any time later, and you're not sure you said it, so if it's way later in the day, figure you said it. Especially if you thought about it before. Very important to think about it before. The first 30 days is very easy to forget, and therefore it's good to have a trick. Somebody once showed me a trick. You take the, the pocket, the little uh, flap of the pocket. Men wear po- have pockets, right? So you take a little flap of the, your pocket and insert it. Or, uh, and the, uh, one for one for Mashiva Rechamet Gashem, and one for... Uh, the same talamata, and then uh, if you, then when you or, or take it out, and that that what's the purpose of that? Well, I suppose if you're really a good guy, I'm not such a good guy. But if you're really a good guy, you do always the same thing every single day, every single tefillah. So <coughs> you'll always you'll always know because if your flap is in, then this. But I don't think it works too well. The point is, it's a physical thing. If you do a physical thing, it'll register in your head. You remember that you did it. It, ha- it helps tremendously to do a physical thing. Um, some people probably just cover over one with a little sticky, and th- that makes it a little bit easier for them too. So there's different methods that you have to protect yourself if you're saying properly the same Talamata. i got to share with you one story. It's just, I'm itching to tell it. I, I discovered Torah Wellsprings a while back, but I don't know. I, this week, this Shabbos, I read it. I read it from cover to cover, and uh, it blew me away. I suggest everybody get it. it costs you nothing. You can get it um, from Torah Wellsprings. Torah Wellsprings, one word, Wellsprings. Torah Wellsprings, and uh, Rabbi Biederman. 
you can get it. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's like fifteen pages or something, and you could um, you could look at it. You could download it, whatever you want to do. You can get it in the mail. You can pick it up in the shoals. It's worth it. I'm going to tell this story, and it's amazing. I told this few people already the story, and they, they were blown away. About 60 years ago in B'nai Brak, Rabbi Yosef Dov Rosenstein's daughter was ill with polio, Rachman and Islam. One night, her fever shot up very high, and Rabbi Yosef Dov decided to go to the Chazon Ish to get his bracha and tefillah. He said, even if the Chazon Ish is sleeping, I'll wake him up. There was no time to wait. When he arrived, the Chazon Ish was saying, Asher Yatzer, with immense kavana. The Chazon Ish's eyes were closed. He was facing the wall. It was almost like he was saying, Shmona Esrei. When he finished the bracha, Rabbi Yosef Dov answered, Amen, loudly. Yassel, the Chazanish said, startled. Why are you here in the middle of the night? Rabbi Yosef Dov told him about his daughter's illness. The Chazanish said, Yassel, go home, your daughter's fine. Rabbi Yosef Dov told him, no, 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 this is serious. My daughter has polio. The Chazanish said, Yassel, don't speak foolishness. I said, And you answered, Amen. I said, Hashem is the one who heals all flesh and does miracles. And you answered, Amen. I'm certain your daughter is feeling better. Rabbi Yosef came home and saw that the fever went down. The story is reported in the Sefer called Maisi Ish about the Chazanish. Volume 3, page 225. I saw it printed in this thing, in, in the Torah Well Springs. That the Chazon Ish, when he said, he was davening for the Gansa Yiddish folk. Every Jew everywhere should be healthy. And, he, and this Yosef Dov said, Amen. No question, his daughter's okay. No, nope. what can I tell you? Special people, but the Koyach is absolutely amazing. I go on. We have here a A little piece about the Polish government again. You know, in Poland, it's been like up and down. It's um, sometimes uh, things are uh, getting a little better, a little worse. You know that they were about to pass a bill, and they uh, decided that against Schrita, they were interested in at least ossering the Schrita for the exporting. So they had to scrap that bill. Uh, because uh, there were the parts of it that uh, affected a lot of the people. And so it got pushed off, and it was going to be pushed off until uh, 2025. That certainly uh, was a helpful thing. But what happened now 
is that they came up with another bill and they said this bill will not be shown to the president who is in favor of uh, letting it go. They're trying now to pass it around about so that, uh, that we wouldn't be able to knock it out. And this is something to be very, a, big, great, a great concern. There's an article, I'm just going to mention it briefly because there's not much time left, and besides that, uh, it's, a, it's a little long. It's a, an interesting article that came out by Rabbi Hoffman, a good friend, uh, Rabbi Yair Hoffman, who writes for the uh, Five Towns Jewish Times, and uh, it's a, a whole series of books. You can buy them online and on Amazon. <coughs> And his uh, latest, one of his latest pieces, goes back at uh, two weeks, November eighteenth, is about shellac. Now, shellac is a topic. Shellac is from the is from the lac bug. There's a bug called lac, and uh, and the lac bug produces something that we call shellac, and it is used sometimes as uh, covering. For the uh, making, uh, for preserving the fruits, and vegetables. So uh, some places they're using uh, cornuba wax, and some places they're using shellac. So it's a you know it's a wonderful tool to the industry, and you look you like to see the apple look nice, and you like to see the 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 the, uh, the bright red uh, uh, um, pepper, and you you you're, you appreciate all what you're seeing. The trouble is, uh, is it kosher? So this is something that I spent a lot of time on over the years, but I'm not going to get into where I, where, I, where I ended up. We'll discuss a little bit what he brings out over here. So the question is whether these eggs, uh, the, these that, that I'm sorry, what the beetles do, what these lac bug, what this beetle does, what does, uh, is, is it considered to be... Uh, Trafe. Ramosha Feinstein said not. But there are many people who say yes. It's a three-way debate. Moshe Feinstein, Rebel Yoshev, and Diane Weiss. None of them are here anymore. Uh, the question, is, and, and this, is, this is commonly called today resinous glaze or confectioner's glaze, and it's used Many, many, many products. Candy. Many candies you'll see resinous glaze or confectioner's glaze. And this comes from this beetle called the lac. But Moshe Feinstein said in, 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 in uh, Igris Moshe, Yeridea, the second chalik, number 24, in a, later, a letter that was dated from 1965, to a Rabbi Nachman Cornmill, who um, had Ashkocha, his uh, grandson took it over. Uh, the, the, he said that the process regarding lac beetles seems no different than bee honey, where the product is produced outside of the main body of the insect. And that's basically where he's going. He also suggests that shellac will be would be included within the verse that is understood to specifically come to permit bee honey, 
So Ramosha was Mekel. He disagrees, Ramosha disagreed with Rav Yosef Tuumim and the Prima Godim, who say that even a non-kosher item with no taste still requires a bittle of shishim, and he didn't hold that way. If it has no taste, it didn't need bittle of shishim. That's a whole question, whether uh, if it has no taste, it, it, there's no, there's no, you're not getting any, because, uh, because the whole thing was taste. The 60 is really, only, okay, so it's a little, it's a four-way machalism, I'm not going to get into it now. But anyway, Ramosha finds it was Mekel. Diane Weiss held, Diane Yitzhak Weiss, he held, and this is from 1986 already, um, that there would be no basis to permit it, based on the fact that shellac is only added for chazusa. He said, that's not enough. Chazusa means it's only there for appearance. It's not there for taste. He says, uh, he's, he says, uh, he, he still holds in halacha like the pre-chadish, that appearance, we're only dealing with a rabbinic issue, not a Torah prohibition. The fact that it's mixed with a greater percent of alcohol may make the prohibition null and void. However, he concludes that due to our lack of depth of knowledge into the properties and nature of shellac, he's unable to permit it. So Diane Weiss did not permit it, but Moshe did. Rabbi Yashiv Zatzal, he held, uh, this is something that he wrote in Kovitz Chuvas. Volume 1, number 73, that according to the rule, rulings of Mordechai and uh, of Mor- the Mordechai and Rabbeinu Gershom, uh, the, the leniency of external product of a forbidden animal would only have applied to an animal or creature that the surrounding population generally consumes. Beetles, however, are not generally consumed. Therefore, that which comes from it would still be forbidden. That's what he held. Um, so that was Rav, that was Rav Yashuv. So basically, bottom line is, the Hasidic world is machmir, at least part of it, although maybe some of the Hamish companies do use it, but I think they try to get away from it. At least they, maybe they change the name of what it is, but yeah, whatever, so you'll, you'll have to be a little concerned about that. Bottom line, Rav Moshe was Mekel, and if you have a concern, you'll speak to your Rav, that's the question of shellac, resinous glaze, confectioner's glaze. Those are the things that's called. But the uh, shellac is also it's called. So give yourself a few different names and make a decision if it's something that scares you or doesn't scare you. Personally, Mr. Feinstein is a good enough name for me, and that's uh, how, how the basis of most of the cashless agencies in America are relying on that. So our time is up, or in just another minute, and then I wish everyone a uh, a Freilich and Hanukkah, and uh, everybody should uh, have a, a, a time set aside for appreciating. Thank you, Hashem, and then hopefully you'll follow. Hopefully, some of the things that we share with you tonight will be of help to you. And Hashem will we'll join each other next week. You can call me at seven one eight three three six eight five four four, or. Seven three two five three four nine three six three, or you can email me at kashrus k a s h r u s at aol dot com. By now, all of you sh- who are subscribers have gotten a new issue, and uh, I'm getting some rave reviews. Baruch Hashem, that people are very happy with the different articles that are in there, and we're working hard on the next one already. And the kosher supervision guide, which is 
months late, but Bezal Hashem Baruch should come out in the next couple of weeks. So until then, I, I, uh, we'll have to do with the old one. And the uh, Hashem will join each other next week. Have a wonderful week.